Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. What is going on, people? We are Tottenham TV here, back again for some more content for you guys. And as Spurs aren't playing this weekend, it's our favorite time of year where we get your unpopular opinions and we react to it in the studio. Joining me today's video is Barnaby Slater from the Spur Dog Podcast. How are you doing, Barnaby? Looking forward to this video? I'm looking forward to the video. Mm -hmm. I haven't had a good week, though, after last weekend's result. And... Uh... Let's face it, it's depressing to be off for two weeks. Usually it's for international break, which is depressing enough, but it's not even that. And we have the prospect of having to watch Chelsea potentially win a trophy with Pochettino as well, which would be nightmare above nightmare. Yeah, but look, I'm sure a lot of angry Spurs fans after ending this little mini break with a defeat. But let's see what you have got to say with the unpopular opinions. It's always one of my favourite types of content. I love reacting to what you guys have to say. So let's get straight into it. Um, the first one we're going to be talking about is Talk THFC. He says, we should have kept Regulon as we have no backup left back. Now, Regulon, we were all ready to see him go, weren't we, at the beginning of the season? I think it's fair to say. We missed it. Look, could we have used him against the Wolves game? Uh, against Wolves, sorry. We had Ben Davis in that game. Regulon played been playing quite well for Brentford recently, although Man United had no interest in keeping him on. Yeah, I thought Ben Davis did all right, actually, which is always a dangerous thing to say amongst Spurs fans, of course. But I think he did okay. I thought it was Emerson Royal had the worst game mm. of the two of them. I thought it was very clear with uh, Sergio Regulon straight from the start when Big Ange came in that he just didn't think he was good enough at what he needed his fullbacks to do for the system. And, you know, him going on two loans already this season mm. kind of shows that. I think he's kind of perfect for Brentford, to be honest. He's playing well for them, getting forward quite well. But as ever with Reggion, it's kind of his final ball that isn't great. Mm. Um, so I can see why Talk THFC has said it. But I think Ben Davis mm -hmm. as, a, as, a per, as a player, but also I think as a leader within the dressing room, is probably that's probably one of the reasons why Big Ange chose to keep him and let Sergio go elsewhere. Yeah, I think I agree with you. I think the way Brentford play, Reggion 
doesn't need to be like the best going forward. He just has to be very hardworking, be very aggressive, have a lot of pace and run a lot, which he loves to do. So I think I think I completely agree. That's why he's putting in some really good performances. And I think Davis as well, he's a bit more of a composed player, which playing in that kind of inverted fullback role maybe works. But I do think sometimes, obviously, he's not the paciest player. And when you're inverted and you're leaving all that space, it can work against you if you're, you know, getting hit very quickly by certain players like Pedro Neto, yeah. which definitely worked against us on the weekend. But um, Ben... Um... Reguilon wasn't a great defender either. He's not a great mm. defender either. He he kind of made some bad decisions quite regularly, I thought. So, yeah, I can see why you said it, but not for me. All right, next one comes from Big Ange is Midamate. Um, they say a small but vocal minority of Spurs fan of the Spurs fan base actively enjoy it when we lose or don't play well as it validates their own negative opinions like we, we we do always see it isn't it after a loss there are all these fans you know they tend to call out players who they've been calling out like see I told you about this player I told you about yeah. that um, do you notice a, a, some section of the fan base who seem to take glee when we do end up on a bad side of a result. Uh, I think a lot of this is like, like we're literally getting these from Twitter and a lot of this is just on <laughs> Twitter, on enough. X in general. Like, yes, there are lots of people who realize that they get more traction from their comments and tweets if it goes badly and they have negative opinions because they know that they're going to, you know, get more people following them and stuff like that. But I think in general, if you're at the ground, it's very rare that you'll kind of come across somebody who is that negative that they actually mm. want the team to do badly. Um, so I don't really see it as realistic. Uh, it's just kind of a corner of the fan base that has, you know, come through social media. I completely agree. I think it's a social media thing. I think every fan base probably has these yeah. kind of fans who have, who kind of have a set agenda against a player when they sign. For example, let's say like Werner, they think Werner's a bad signing. And then whenever he has a bad game, they like to, you know, tell everyone how right they were about the, that bad signing. So I think... People have, people are like that on social media, and if you spend too much time with it, you're going to think a, a large section of the fan base are like that. But I agree, you match day going fans usually they're usually very very positive, and they don't like to have bad experiences at the exactly. ground, especially. Yeah, exactly. And Timo Werner, I think you know, because you brought him up, it's worth saying, you know, he's very much an opportunistic signing. I think mm -hmm. more than anything else, and. Like, do I think he's going to rip up trees and score 10 goals between now and the end of the season? I don't. But I also think in terms of squad depth, it's, it was a signing worth doing. And I think mm. it'll prove, continue to prove to be so. All right, next one. Fan of sports. Um, I guess he likes a lot of sports, he says. Um, he says, our system of play has been found out by other clubs. Unless we start getting standout performances from our front line, we'll be out of Europe by the end of the season. Um, maybe a bit reactionary given you know, some of our performances uh, haven't been great recently. But, but what is interesting, what I've noticed, everyone's been talking about how bad we've been playing recently or like our bad form. I looked at the form table. The last 10 games, we were third in the form yeah, table, yeah. which is quite, which you wouldn't believe considering how we're talking about. But um, yeah, I don't think it's any secret that the last few games definitely have, we haven't been at our best. No. We've definitely been quite open uh, at the back. We haven't been creating that many chances. So are you, is any part of you worried, like fan of sports is saying, that maybe teams are starting to work out the system? I don't think it's that we've been found out. I don't think anything's really changed other than the fact that our kind of front six aren't scoring as many goals as they were earlier in the season, right? So, you know, 
a lot of how we play, especially if we're coming up against teams who play a low block, is how quickly can we get that first goal? How quickly can we come out the blocks? Can we put them under pressure where they, the opposition have to change their tactic? And uh, in the last few games, we haven't scored early goals. We mm -hmm. haven't created that momentum and pressure. And so I don't really feel like it's about being found out. I think, you know, teams were playing low blocks against us at the start, but Madison was on form, hadn't been injured. He's still working his way back. Sonny was playing as the nine and we were creating loads of chances for him. And at the moment, it's just not quite clicking. Mm. But hopefully this kind of two weeks of just training for them and the opportunity for, say, Bentoncourt and Madison to kind of really get fitter we'll see a return to that kind of early season form. Mm. Yeah, I think found out is a because it kind of it kind of implies like this way of playing is d doomed to fail once teams work it out and then once that happens we're not going to be able to overcome those challenges. I think it's just a case of we're not perfect at the way we play at the moment. Mm -hmm. Teams are exploiting that right now. Yes, we uh, we have a lot of good players and stuff, but we're still like it's still very early in the, not very early, but it's still early in Angie's project. So we're not going to be have perfected this system, especially with all the challenges we're playing, and also just cause. You know, just because players are back from injury and what and back from international tournaments doesn't mean they're one hundred percent match fit and ready to go as well. So I never expected just as soon as the players are back, we're going to be hitting the ground running. I still expected maybe a couple of games to find their rhythm, all that kind of stuff. So I think found out is a bit maybe going too far when it comes to our performances recently. Yeah, it's a bit concerning, I guess, the fact that the when the players have come back. We haven't seemed to have gotten better, but I do think with time, I think this little break will help us. And yeah. with time, we will start playing, we'll start looking sharper, more intense, and the performances will come, I'm sure of it. Yeah. I don't think it's a case of being found out. And if I was going to ask fan of sports a question, I'd say when he says we'll be out of Europe by the end of the season, does he mean top four or does he mean like all the European <laughs> places? Because I think we're pretty nailed on to get kind of top seven, mm -hmm. which I think is what the conference league will go down to. Mm -hmm. I'd be very surprised if we didn't come top six. Now, Man United have put a run of games together, but they're still not very good. Like, they're mm -hmm. not playing very well, and they're just kind of sneaking over the line. I don't know. I still feel relatively confident we'll finish above Manchester United. And I was saying to Sim, and I'm sure we'll get onto this before we came on, I, I quite fancy us to go to Villa and get a win there. Mm. And uh, I think we'll finish above them as well. Yeah. It was, it was interesting to note, I was looking at last season and we're actually only two points better off at uh, this point this season as last season. But the diff the caveat would be for the last 13 games of the season last season, we only picked up 15 points. Yeah. I'm pretty sure we're going to pick up more than and that. And also, season. I'm actually watching the games now, whereas <laughs> last season it was such dross that I basically wasn't turning up to my season ticket that I had. Which, Don't, you know, yeah. it, I'm ashamed to say it, but uh, blame Antonio Conte. Don't think you're the only one. Um, next one is Justin Glasser. He says, Manuel Solomon is the best Ange winger at the club. It is a bit of a problem that I think people are picking up that a lot of our wingers... Like how Ange likes to play his wingers, you know, very wide. They get in a lot of one-on-one -on -one situations because we manipulate the play with the inverted fullbacks to basically get those wingers in one-on-one -on -one situations. Yep. And it is a bit of an elephant in the room, the fact that um, Son, Werner, Kulisewski and Johnson, as much as they have their attributes, one of their, I don't think any of their strong attributes is dribbling at fullbacks in one-on-one yep. -on -one situations. Explosive dribbling, yeah. So does he, do you think he has a case that Manuel Solomon maybe could be the best fit? Well, Manuel Solomon is like the forgotten man. I, yeah. I almost totally forgot that we have Manuel Solomon <laughs> and I haven't actually seen enough of him to say that he's the best and winger in the team. But I can see why you've made the point, Justin, because I've been calling on the watch-alongs on, on this channel, actually. I've been calling a lot for us to buy that kind of player, an explosive, dribbly winger who can beat a player on the outside 
um, and give something different. And actually, yeah, I, I think Manor Solomon's about to be back in training Correct. Uh, in the next week or so. So maybe that is an option that we will use. It'll, it'll, it'll certainly give us something a bit different on the bench. I can't see him starting in reality. But I think we are getting close to that, uh, especially with the performance against Wolves of Richarlison with his back to goal and holding the ball up. I think we are getting close to that question of whether should we look at playing Sonny back in the nine, even if that initially means moving Richarlison to the left, mm -hmm. first of all. be interesting to see if Big Ange and uh, his coaching team are thinking about that with Palace coming up next week. I think when it comes to Manuel Solomon, I think in terms of profile, logically, there maybe is a case to say he could technically be the most um, kind of fit profile-wise for an Ange winger. But I kind of feel like with this with, with this tweet, it's kind of, it's a bit like absence makes the heart grow fonder Definitely, a bit. Yeah. And it's like, I feel like all the time, whenever there's an injured player and, and we're not playing well, it's like, oh, this guy, yeah. when he comes back from an injury, and it's always like this saviour, but then they come back and it's never the reality. You know who else was brilliant at beating a man? Lucas Moura. Yeah. Right? Exactly. And I don't think any of us would, would want him in this squad at the moment That's like no point. no shade on Lucas Moura like he had his benefits and obviously in Amsterdam was unbelievable but he could beat a player but then once he'd done that you know nine times out of ten what he did next was not good enough and I need to see more of Mana Solomon to see whether his final ball can improve enough for that kind of profile of player to be useful because it's one thing beating a player but then if he's hitting the first man every time or hacking it out for a goal kick then it, it doesn't matter so I'm looking forward to seeing more of him for sure uh, Stats you I think it's pronounced. Apologies if I butchered that. He says, or they say, despite a great goal-scoring record in recent times, Charleston shouldn't be our starter. If we want to be back on the heights of the first 10 games, we need Son to be the striker. Charleston obviously off the back now, I think it's now nine goals in his last 10 or 11 games. Mm. Obviously, he hasn't scored in his last two. Mm. Um, has hit a really rich vein of form. I think his performance level as well in general has been really improving apart from maybe the Wolves game. But do you think I, I would argue that maybe we looked our most fluid when Son is playing in that number nine. Mm -hmm. But is it a big issue? Like, are we not, are we not going to have not going to see our performances improve until that happens? I mean, one thing that's worth talking about with Rishi is that he his pressing is absolutely incredible mm -hmm. and he works really hard. Um, I do think there's a little bit of an element with Spurs at the moment, and I'm and Spurs fans, and I'm guilty of this as well because we had Harry Kane for so long. We are now kind of basically putting Richarlison's form up against mm. what we're used to. Whereas at any other club, if, if Richarlison was playing at any other club now, say he was playing for Brentford and he'd scored the amount of goals he'd scored, people would be talking about him moving to a bigger club mm. because that's scoring 10 goals in the Premier League. It actually doesn't happen that often. Not many players get to 10 goals and I think he will get to 15 goals. So he's back. it's only his kind of back to goal hold up play that I have an issue with and... Uh, it had improved and then he just did, ha did have a bad game. And that's why, you know, maybe bring him out to the left. I don't know. But, you know, Ange sees him every day. Ange sees, sees Sonny every day. And I back Ange to make the right decision. And like I said, I've been saying it for a while, I think Richarlison will get to 15 league goals and that will be an incredible return for him, I think. I think the issue uh, a lot of people have when, when it comes to who should play where in the front in the front line is Son is our best left winger and our best striker. Mm -hmm. That's how I feel. So I don't think the problem is Richarlison playing up front. I think the problem is 
who plays on the left because it just feels like Son at the moment, as much I, lo I love him, I just don't think he's a great left winger right now uh, mm. anymore. As much as I do think he can still do a job, I don't think that's his best position. And then, but if it's not him, it's either Werner or Solomon, and they're not quite cutting it as well. So it's a bit that's an issue. But I think Son or Richarlison up front, I, I like both of them. There. I think I think Sonny on the left wing is a really good player if it's a game where there's loads of space and mm -hmm. you're not playing against a deep block. So against Villa, it wouldn't surprise me if Sonny had a similar game to what he did against Newcastle mm. um, where he was really getting at his fullback and there was some space um, but yes against that low block Sonny doesn't have that explosive pace to go around the outside really anymore um, so maybe that comes back to the Manuel Solomon thing maybe mm. you know it'll be against those deep block teams that we'll see him um, but yes uh, you know Sonny is our best left winger and our best nine but uh, Richarlison's doing a good enough job at nine to to keep him there for, for now I think Greg says we should start with a back three of Van de Ven Romero and Dragosheen with Destiny and Pedro as wingbacks, then Madders and Sarr in midfield, and a front three of Sonny, Richie, and Decky. Mate, <laughs> would you consider a change in formation? Some like I guess maybe it's a reaction to some maybe less than perfect performances. Maybe that's why you're saying we should change formation. But sometimes a change formation just just freshen things up a bit and just make some more ideas. Mm. Dragosheen does need some minutes. Maybe is he starting to get frustrated on the bench? Is there a case to move to a back three? I'm a bit triggered and scarred from the back three of Antonio <laughs> Conte for so long. Like before Conte came, I'd been saying for years, we need to play with a back three. And then Conte came and I was like, it's going to be perfect. Eric Dyer can play in the middle. It's a perfect role for him, et cetera, et cetera. And then we just played such turgid football in a back three. I personally think, uh, I don't know, Greg, so we'll, we'll see. But a lot of things that I read on Twitter at the moment about Dragushi needing to play and stuff, it's like your new toy, isn't it? Everybody mm. wants to see the new toy. But in reality, to to play a back three just to give this player minutes, that's not a reason to do it. And the reason we're playing 4-3-3 is because that's what Ange thinks is best suited to the players we've got. And I do not foresee that changing anytime soon. Um, and, you know, Ange wants to have four players in central midfield. That's why he inverts the fullbacks. And to just have Madders and Saar in midfield, I don't think would cover us quite enough. Um, so I just can't see it at the moment. Could be inverting wing backs instead of inverting yeah. full backs. Maybe that'll, that'll yeah. be interesting. Um, Dalper says Romero is our most talented defender ever from 2000 onwards. Mm. Well, ever from 2000. So two conflicting uh, phrases there. But I guess who who's in competition competition with Ledley King, Yamba Tongan, Toby Odevirald. Gary Doherty. Uh, Gary, yeah. Well, maybe not. Maybe not the ginger Pele. I don't think he quite makes it. But um, is he our most talented defender? Some Define even talented. I think yeah, is I the, guess. The thing here. Some people even argue he's not the most talented defender at the club right now, let alone since two thousand. Um, I, I think I would, talented. I'd still put Deadly King above him. I, I would say what Romero does have that we haven't had in a centre half is the bravery on the ball to play those balls in between the lines into midfield. Mm. Um, and kind of really draw out the opposition press. Obviously, when Ledley was playing, that kind of way of playing wasn't a thing. Ledley was very gifted on the ball and did play defensive midfield quite a lot for us as well. But I think Romero is a better passer than Ledley King. But in terms of like pure talent as a defender, Ledley King was, you know, if Ledley King could have trained, if Ledley King <laughs> wasn't injured and hadn't done his knee, I think he did his knee like at the age of 23 or yeah. something, really young. Um, you know, it's no coincidence um, that Thierry Henry talks about Ledley King being the hardest defender he came up against. Ledley in this team, if he was fit right now at Spurs, 
Wow. I think our, when Lenny King was fit, like our record with him was like so good. I remember you like even under Harry Redknapp and yeah. I like when he would come into the team, even though he would only be fit for half the season, those would be like our 20 best games of the season when he would be fit. He was just so great. So I I think Romero, also what Lenny King has over Romero is like Romero's like, sometimes i'm not saying it's all like this but sometimes he can be a bit rash sometimes he gets a rush of blood to the head mm. lady king never really had that he no. was always so calm so composed and as Thierry Henry would used to say he used to take the ball uh from you without you even knowing yeah. romero definitely doesn't do that he mm. makes sure you know that's to for sure. totally different players both <laughs> yeah. incredibly talented i just think you know maybe i'm a bit older than than uh dalper is i don't know but you know ledley king was basically our our only good player for a long time. Yeah, yeah um, good point. And he was incredibly talented. Uh, but Romero, you know, World Cup winner, mm. incredibly gifted. So it's, it's, a, it's a close one. Different players, both brilliant. Gary D. Spurs says, Madison and Bentenkor can't play in the same team. They take up the same positions when we have the ball in and around the penalty area. Just a thought. Um, I think it's way too early to say that. They've barely played together. So I don't know if that, I don't see why they would take take up the same spaces in the in the pitch. Madison's obviously a lot more of a number 10 offensive kind of play, although he does like to drop deep. But I think that's a reaction to maybe we probably haven't won a game since Madison and Bentacle played together but mm. um I don't know do you see any do you see any reason why they can't play together no I wouldn't have thought I wouldn't have thought so it shouldn't be an issue neither of them have really been fit whilst having the opportunity to play with each other both coming back from injuries so you know there is on paper absolutely no reason why they they shouldn't be able to play together because they're mm. both you know brilliantly talented international footballers it's just about finding the right blend in that midfield isn't it really mm. and um you know, and the right blend for each individual game as well. And I, and I do wonder actually whether, in hindsight, with that Wolves game, could we maybe have put, you know, been a bit more creative in that midfield? Like mm -hmm. Madison was pretty much on his own in terms of creativity, and Loselso was on the bench. And I did wonder, you know, could we do what he did in the second half? I think it was against Brentford, where he had kind of two more mm -hmm. creative players alongside. I think he brought on Hoiberg to play in the six and then played two creators. And actually, now hindsight's a wonderful thing, but now we lost anyway. I just feel like oh, I wish we'd kind of gone for it a little bit more. But um, no, I can I can definitely envisage Madders and Bentancur playing well together. Hmm. Next one is from the Elite Estimator. He says Europa League spot would be better for the academy players in Champions League. Although I want top four for the signings, Phillips, Donnelly, and other young players would get much more game time um, against lower clubs. Like I think, obviously, I think that's probably true. If we win Europa League, there will probably be more opportunities for the academy players. But um, is there a case like if we're in the Champions League? Is it, and we're still restricting these chances for players like Donnelly and Phillips and maybe a Divine or whoever's coming in. Like, how do we go about developing them if we can't give them the game time? I think it's difficult. If you look at Liverpool now, they've got this kind of rush of young players mm. coming into the team. But it's only because they've got injuries. That's the only reason they're playing. It's it's like, if you're, you've just got to be good enough. And look, I, I don't watch... The academy a lot so mm -hmm. i don't know how good jamie donnelly is or um ashley phillips is or alfie dorrington but what i do know is if they're good enough Ange will play them that that is the reality of it for me um i wouldn't be so sure that if we get in the europa league he'll play a load of youth players i don't mm -hmm. think that you know that hasn't really happened at spurs since probably you know harry kane got the nods away mm -hmm. at hearts and you know that kind of era of livermore and kane and um mason. winks and ryan mason yeah. Uh, Winks was a bit after, wasn't he? Uh, mm. Jake Livermore, etc. Tom et Carroll. Tom Carroll. Um, but bear in mind back then, we weren't very good. So it was mm. easier then to play. Whereas now we're building a squad 
where it's not going to be players like Donnelly who's going to play in the Europa League next year. It's going to be players like Dragushin and it's going mm. to be players like Bergvall and, mm. and, and those kind of players. So, um, look, I think it's more important that we build ourselves up into a bigger club with a better depth of squad. And then you say to those youth players, if you want to play in this team, you've got to be better than the player who's got the shirt at the moment. That, and that's that's the, the right way to do it, in my opinion. Liam says, Ben Tenkel is without doubt our best number six. He has a couple of bad games in there, um, there recently, but that's due to a lack of fitness and sharpness. With him and Basuma competing that position, we do not need to sign another number six. Um, there's been a lot of a bit of there's been a bit of debate, hasn't there, about where where Ben Tenkel's best position is, and obviously Basuma we know has been off form now for a while, which is a bit concerning. Um, I thought Basuma played well other than being responsible single-handedly for their second goal. <laughs> I actually agree. I thought he was, a lot of people were, may, maybe it's because he's in bad form and then he, he has that moment and people uh, grab onto it. Yeah. Um, considering where both players are at the moment, do you, do you feel the need, like in the summer, we need to get a specialised number six? Or are you still confident going forward, Basuma and Bentancourt kind of have that position covered? I think Benzica is more of an eight, personally. Mm. Um, I think if we're going to buy another six, it'll be because we're going to let Hoiberg go and it'll be a six. We were actually linked with Gomez, who scored those two goals, weren't we, mm. a few weeks ago? Yeah. And he's kind of a, a more of a natural, like a six in the way Hoiberg is, but also with a good pass and mm. good vision and a bit of skill. Um, so that's why I could see us buying a six, is if they let Hoiberg out the door and then it'll be between the new signing and Basuma, I think, personally. I think Basuma is more of a natural six, certainly in terms of the way he gets the ball off the back four and starting the kind of process. But is he an enforcer? No, I wouldn't say so. But like I said, you know, I thought actually he had a pretty good game other than just his tracking back for that goal was uh, shameful. In terms of Pentacle, though, in the, in the number six, like that was his position when he was at Juventus. But right. I felt like he took his game up a level when he was playing under Conte last season in that kind of box-to-box role, taking a bit more responsibility on the ball. That's what a lot of people used to say at Juventus. He used to kind of hide a bit in terms of he used to like to take the ball and release it quickly but and not like carry with it. Yeah. And then he brought that into his game and I thought that's where we saw the best of him. So that's why I want to see him in that number eight position. He's got but, a great engine. I think it's between it should be between him and Saar as to, to yeah. who plays in each game for that number eight. Hmm. Um, and he's a really good finisher as well. And the last one for this episode, this is going to be from FX, um, MFXRCH. Uh, I don't know what that stands for, but he says, I always felt like Bergvine and Danjuma, uh, we did Bergvine and Danjuma dirty with their time at Spurs. And I think they would both flourish under Ange in their brackets. Is, I'm not saying I think we should uh, either bring either of them back. I feel like we messed up with both of them, perhaps a case of right guys and wrong time. If you, do you reckon Bergvine or Danjuma in this system under Ange, maybe there, there could be something there? Yeah, I've said it previously. I think Bergvine would really have flourished under Ange Postacoglu because he was a real swag player. You know, mm. like we just needed to give him more games and more confidence. He never really had that. I think Danjuma wasn't very good. So, I'm, you know, controversial take here, but he doesn't really get in the Everton team mm. either. And I remember before he came to Spurs watching him in, I think, that Europa League final. Was it, were they in the fight? Was it Villarreal yeah. against Man United? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just remember thinking, oh, God, he's dross. Like, he he looks so exciting, but then his final ball is poor. And I remember at Spurs when he was there and everyone was, you know. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. 
So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Like, again, the shiny new toy, desperate for him to get on the pitch. Why isn't Dan Juman playing? Why isn't it? And I'm like, well, because the manager sees him every training session. He's clearly not good enough. Um, but, but that's my opinion on Dan Juma. But I think Steven Bergwijn, it's kind of a shame. What do we get from 20 million in the end? Yeah. There's rumours got... of him going to West Ham, aren't there? Yeah, well, there were rumours yeah. already that Ajax want to let him go. I don't think he's actually pulled up any trees at Ajax. Yeah, he's been but, okay, but... but... He's playing in a terrible Ajax team, That's also he? true. Um, but uh, I wouldn't be. it wouldn't surprise me to see him back in the Premier League, that's for sure. I think they probably, if they were in the team now, definitely do better than when they were here under Conte. Um, but I don't. I still don't think they're actually... The, the aren't, they would have been the answer to what we want in those positions anyway. So uh, I think they're both... I, I, I think Bergvine's a good player. I think Dan Juma is actually underrated, but I, you know, he's not been great for Everton. He wasn't good for us. So me I don't... Sim, I, me and not, fighting over Dan Juma here, <laughs> scrapping. I don't mind Dan Juma. I think I, think I like, really liked him at Villarreal when they were in that... When, when they, that season they got to the Champions semi-final, I thought he was really good, but... I don't think, and like we're revising their careers in terms of what they could have done. I don't think those guys right now are like top, top level players in my opinion. So uh, I don't, I'm not really bothered it hasn't worked out. So MFXRCH, uh, he says, Decky needs to play left wing or back up to Madison. He doesn't suit a right wing, um, right wing needs under Ange. A front three of Decky, Son and Werner would work much better with both wingers being able to cross cutbacks on their stronger side. Yeah, De- I mean, I think Decky can do the role on the right. I actually think in the first 10 games and up until actually like the new year, he was actually a f- having a fairly good season. I think a fairly underrated season. But there are always going to be... And look, he's obviously not a player with unbelievable pace. And that's always going to be held against him mm. in that position. And especially in a role which maybe you get a lot of opportunities to take on your fullback and he's not the best at it. But for you, when you look at Decky do you see his best position as being on that right wing? Or do you think the times we've seen him in central, or maybe we should, we could even try him on the left? Well, he has said, hasn't he, that he thinks his best position is as a 10. Mm. Uh, and I do th- I do see him as a good backup to Madison. Actually, it wouldn't surprise me if, because of his injury record, we let Loselso go in the summer as a result and kind of have Decky as the backup for a 10 and you know available to play on the right wing as well. I don't really get the left wing thing because he's not going to have the pace to get round his full back. And so it would just, for me, end up with him kind of playing it back to his full his own full back quite a lot or a bit uh, into midfield. Maybe the argument would be it would stop him cutting inside. He goes on the outside rather than cutting inside. And but so he, if he's he not got the pace space. to get around the outside. Mm. That's the thing. So it's kind of different going inside on his on the right where he's coming onto his natural foot. And what he is brilliant at is those crosses to the far post, mm. crosses for Richarlison. And certainly at, at at the start of his Tottenham career, he was also getting some great shots off and scoring some goals that way. What I love about Decky is he's just so strong on the ball, uses that big arse of his to kind of get around people and have people bouncing off him all the time. 
I think he's a really talented player. People forget he's only 23, still got a lot of learning and growing to do. And uh, I think he's going to become, he'll probably become a Spurs legend in the Endeki. Mm. But it's just about, I think, getting enough players around him where maybe, especially against teams who play deep blocks, uh, opposition are worried about other players so much that it frees up deck. It gives him a lot of space to do what he's brilliant at, which is kind of his his passing, crossing, shooting. And to be fair, Decky, I think the stats say uh, this season in the Premier League, I think he's near the top for actually chances created. And maybe if some of our finishing would have been better, you know, maybe people wouldn't be talking about uh, him changing position because his assist numbers would be up. But I think overall, he's got like six goals, two assists this season so far. I think he's doing okay. Yeah. And for me, like... I see him as a bit, his position, he's a bit like a Bernardo Silva. Like when he plays on the wing, he can do that role, creating chances. He's never going to be that this out-and-out winger, which maybe you could argue we need, but I think he can do a good job on the on the right wing. And I think as well, when he goes into that number 10, he looks very comfortable, and especially in those tight spaces where he can hold people off and he's really good, like um, getting out, wriggling out of the situations. I think he can do that as well. So I think if we look at him as that kind of player, instead of always comparing him to other wingers and like w- what he can't do, yeah. I think I think we're better off for it. I think the Bernardo Silva comparison is really good because I could totally see Deki playing for Man City. Mm. He would, you know, just one and two touch stuff, really technically gifted, great vision. You could totally see him fitting into a, a team like that. At Spurs, he's kind of you know playing a position that's not his first choice position but uh yeah as you said the stats don't lie and uh, he's doing really well and yes dare i say if we had a certain english number nine still in the team i think people would be raving more about decky's season than they are at the moment mo muhammad says son's best best position is striker even if richarlison's on fire he should never start over him you don't move your best player from their best position that simple we discussed this a bit in the last video but what i want to ask is do you think son is now a striker is that his best position for you i mean for a striker he hasn't played up front for spurs very much over his career has he Mm. i mean what I will say is he is the best finisher at the club. He is an unbelievably good finisher. Do I think he's a brilliant at hold-up play? I don't. With his back to goal, it bounces off him quite a lot, as it does Richarlison. But in terms of who you want, if James Madison is threading a through ball, you want Sonny on the end of that, mm-hmm. that's for sure. But, as I think I said in the last video, and sees him at training each, each day, and there's a reason why he's keeping Rishi at number nine at the moment and Sonny out wide. But maybe that'll change soon enough. I don't know. I don't personally think we're making enough chances for the striker. The only one I can think of, we had a chance where uh, Richarlison went through on his left in a couple mm. of games ago. His Brighton, Keeper yeah. made a good save. Um, Sonny probably would have scored that. So on, on that level, do you want your best finisher in the best positions? Probably. But at the moment, I don't think we're making like eons of chances that Richarlison's missing. And actually what Richarlison's really good at is those first-time finishes from the low crosses, mm. which when I was at the open training session last week, they did that drill over and over and over again. It's no coincidence that we're scoring so many goals like that because they did that drill for 25 minutes over and over, get the player to the byline, cut it back along the ground, Richarlison to finish. Yeah, and I think that kind of skill is very underappreciated and very important, especially when you're playing against a low block because what you're not going to get against a low block is like time on the ball in the box and you need to be able to get a shot off very quickly. That's what Rishi's very good at. I personally, when I look at Son, I do think he's a striker now. I think that is his best position at 31 years of age. I think he's adapted his game so that, and I think we should, to get the best out of Sonny, I think you need to get him in front of goal as many times as possible and I think the best way to do that would be him up front I feel like when he plays on the left he's just not getting in enough goal scoring positions and he's on the periphery too much yes you I think there are games where maybe he can maybe be um 
like kind of uh, marked out the game and because he's not physical enough he's not physical enough to get away from defenders sometimes but if a chance falls to him you know he's going to bury it and what I think I think the stats I read this season for him when he's played up front it's 12 games nine goals and three assists right. so I think that tells me he definitely knows uh, how to play that that role at this stage of his could career. you ever envisage Sonny knocking on Ange's door and saying actually I'm a striker now I only want to play striker it's just not his way is it I don't think so I reckon he still believes he can be a winger no. I just I just look at him and I'm not seeing his best games out wide I'm not seeing him being at his best or I guess the main point is we're not getting the best out of his best attribute yeah. in that position yeah um Daniel James says, Barson, we have the worst frontline attacking options out of the top half of the table. That is very controversial. The worst frontline in the top half. Oh, wow. That doesn't even mean the Barson. top six. What, so including including Chelsea? Including Chelsea. <laughs> Worse than Nicholas Jackson, who I think might be the worst footballer in the history of time. So we have, who do we have apart from something? We have Werner, Johnson, Richarlison, mm. Kulisevsky, Solomon. and Solomon. I mean... They're not amazing. Look, it's true, good. We scored loads of goals. We have scored loads of goals, and obviously, I think Son does have like eighteen goal contributions. I mean, who's in the top half? I would argue we well, have we have better than West the Ham. Half, Brentford in the top half. West Ham, we have better. They're in the top half. Okay, I know so would you rather, and Bowen. Daniel James Moffat. Would you rather have Jared Bowen, Mikhail Antonio, and? I guess, is it Pakatar? He plays more in the Pac eight, Pakatar. Well, to be fair, Kudas, Bowen and Pakatar in a Kudas three. It's, it's a pretty good three. I have to give them that. But how many is goals have West Ham some... scored this season? I They've mean, only was... scored 36, but is that Moyes? They've scored 36. We scored 52. Yeah. But he's saying barring Son, so you have to take Son out of the equation. I refuse to do that. <laughs> um, uh, okay, who else? Chelsea and then... Okay, Chelsea, so Chelsea, Newcastle, Newcastle. Newcastle. Isaac, Wilson, Gordon... Yeah, they've got good options. Good. Brighton are, are good, obviously. Pedro. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, I think they're all similar. They're all similar, those. Kind of our best three is similar to all of those best three. But, yeah. I mean, this brings me back to the kind of, you know, if Ivan Tony becomes available, should we be going for him instead of, you know, to play instead of Richarlison? Uh, I'd be tempted, but not at, like, 80 million. It would have to be mm. kind of 50, 40, 50 million. I don't see Spurs doing that. I don't know. I, it's a bit I, of a tangent. I think, I think we need a, a winger. I think we should be spending big on a winger. I actually don't actually feel that getting a new striker is as important as other people feel. I think Son and Richarlison both are currently scoring goals in that position when they play there. Yeah. So I don't see it being a massive issue. But what I do see is all our wingers are kind of struggling a bit. Um, especially to create chances. Actually, apart, of, uh, apart from actually Kulisevsky, who's kind of consistently creating the other wingers in that position are struggling to create chances consistently. Mm. So I think that's where um, that's where the problem lies at the moment. But in terms of our attacking options are worse than the top half, I don't think it's worse than the top half. Is it the worst in the top six? I mean, there could be a case for it if you take out Son. Uh, there could be a case for it. But that's like saying, you know, you take out Salah and how good are Liverpool's options? I don't yeah. know. Like, you know it's, Although it's, they kept winning when Salah was injured, to be true. fair. There's, there's, a, there's been some talk today in the press that, Wolves are looking for 80 million for Neto. Is he the winger you would go for? Yes. Um, not for 80 million, but he is... If I look at a winger, if I, if I take just pure quality, if I take out his injuries out of it and everything, I think he's like the perfect winger for us. Absolutely. I can't think of a better player than someone like Neto because he can play both left and right equally as good mm. and he can go inside and outside both equally as good and he's got two really good feet as well. I'm be, I've been astonished by how good he's been this season mm. and I've been blown away. So I think he would be my number one, like if 
the price was right and like he passes a medical and like he's not yeah. doesn't prove to be injury prone um but i obviously think there's a lot of good wingers out there but i think i'm just i'm obsessed with like how good he could be at spurs i think okay i love him yeah um edo Uriandra says, "If we get, if we give Delhi Ali another chance, he'll be better than Timo Werner and maybe better than Richarlison. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe a, a, again another example of absence make the heart grow fonder. Obviously, he's not. Um, yeah, I feel so bad for Delhi at the moment because." He's basically not playing because if he plays, Everton are going to have to pay 10 he's million. He's injured though as well, I think. I don't know if that's an excuse or not. He's been yeah. injured for a long time now. They said at the beginning of the season he was getting back to full fitness and then they've said he has he's had setbacks potentially. Yeah. I reckon they're not playing him because they don't want to pay the 10 million. Yeah. I think that's about the worst case. Um, so who knows what he could be doing if he was if he was able to play right now. But... Let's be honest, he wasn't having a great time of it at the end of his first yeah. career. So I mean, to answer the question, Edo, Deli Ali is a completely different player, in my opinion, to Timo Werner and Richarlison. So it's kind of difficult to compare them. Deli at his best is an absolutely unbelievably talented late runner into the box. And then in terms of his instinctive finishing, that's what he was absolutely brilliant at. So making late runs, Lampard-esque late runs, and then instinctive finishing. But actually, a lot of the time with Spurs, and you're right, Sam, especially towards the end, it was the the simple things that he really struggled with. Mm. The amount of times you'd see Delhi, you know, miscontrol a five-yard pass or something really simple. It's almost like, because he's like a street baller. It's when he's playing off the cuff and he's not thinking about it. That's when he's at his best. But I agree with you. It's sad that he hasn't played for so long. And obviously he was in Turkey for a bit and that didn't happen. And of course, we all saw the interview, which is incredibly sad. But I would love Delhi to get back. I would I would bring him home, get him training at Spurs under Ange. But I, I would never expect to see him, even if that happened, playing on the left side or as a number nine, even as a force nine. So I don't think he fits Ange's system. It's not going to happen like that. Um, but I would love to see him get up to somewhere near his his best mm. football playing for somebody else. Yeah, I really hope he finds a way to get his career back on track. Um, Big Six Bias says Spurs as a as a club are massively overhyped by the media and are in fact not much more than an upper mid table club. I mean, I always get a bit like um, I, I guess the world would be confused by the whole. Um, chat about big club who's a big club what is what is a big right. club how do you define big club like wh- i guess the whole point of being a big club is so like you have the pool to bring in players and like you mm-hmm. winning trophies and things like that and when you talk about that spurs are a big club in the premier league like we we do like we we are, we are much bigger pool than like you know anyone else apart from maybe obviously the other top five of the big six so on that basis we are a big club when you talk about trophies whether we've won the sixth amount of my own trophies when you're talking about money earned i think recently there there was um they they showed we're the most profitable uh, profitable team in the league or we gained one of the most revenues now apart from maybe man united in the premier league so on what basis are we not a big club just the fact that we recently haven't won trophies i guess big six bias says uh, are in fact not much more than an upper mid-table club. But what I would say is the only time we've been an upper mid-table club was last season when we finished eighth. If you look mm. at the 10 seasons before that, then Spurs have been fourth, fifth or sixth every mm. season. Is that all right? I'm pretty yeah. sure that's right. But in the Champions League, I think probably five, six times. So the stats don't really back that up. Now, in terms of being massively overhyped by the media, I wonder if what you're talking about is, you know, how much 
how many articles there are about Spurs. And the reality is it's supply and demand. The reason you saw you see more articles about Arsenal than any other club is because Arsenal have the busiest fan base online mm-hmm. and they get the most clicks. And especially over the last kind of 15 years at the back end of Wenger through Emery and into Arteta before they became good again, which let's not forget, they only became good again last season. Yeah. <laughs> like literally last season, the season before that we came above them and then last season it just all came together and now they're good because they've trusted the process with Arteta and he's got the squad together that he wants. Um, but Spurs are in the media a lot because they have a lot of fans. And mm. the reason we have a lot of fans is because all the things you said as a legacy club of being a, a member of the traditional kind of big six or whatever it was back in the 80s and before that. Um, but Everton, you know, I always say, look at Everton. Everton and Spurs in my childhood were swimming in the same waters. Everton have won a FA Cup since we have. They won it in 1995 or whatever it was. And Everton have just dropped off a cliff. And I even say about Everton when lots of Spurs fans talk about how we need to just splash the cash, splash the cash. Everton splashed the cash. (laughs) They got a new owner in. They spent upwards of 500, 600, 700 million pounds And what have they got to show for it? Nothing. 10-point deduction, another charge coming their way, relegation fodder, and having a manager in who plays basically long ball just to try and save them. So ask yourself, when you think Tottenham are a joke club or an upper mid-table club, ask yourself, would you rather be in Everton's fans' footsteps? I promise you, I have Everton fan family, uh, Everton family and Everton friends. They would all rather be Spurs fans right now. So... You know, I think Spurs have grown incredibly well and are continuing to grow. And we are set to become one of the biggest clubs in this country, especially when Man City get relegated next season. Couldn't agree more. Uh, Re, uh, DR says, um, Skip should be given a chance in the position of Basuma. He looks like he keeps improving game by game every time he comes on. Given uh, Basuma's, you know, form, I mean, obviously he wasn't terrible against Wolves, but... Um, did Skip show enough in that little run he had in January to say that he should be getting more chances right, right now? No. Uh, so I'll be quite simple with that. <laughs> so I did a video on the Spurred On podcast this week because we were linked uh, with James Garner at mm. Everton. Okay. And, Interesting. And, and Everton fans love him and he looks good. He played quite well in both games against Spurs. But I said on that video that I think potentially if Oliver Skip were given a run of games, and I don't necessarily mean at Spurs, but I mean in a Premier League at a Premier League club, at Premier League level, then maybe we would look at him in a similar way to how people are looking at James Garner at the moment. I think the thing that Skippy is missing is games and Mm. rhythm. He's a great player. We all know the story about the Dutch under-21 team (laughs) and Frankie de Jong saying he's like a Dutch player. Norwich fans said he's the best player he's been there for years. He needs rhythm and games, and I think he needs to leave Spurs to get that. I think there's a talent there, but I think he's being kind of held back at Spurs by the amount of midfield options we've got there. Every manager loves him. Every manager in Potters absolutely loves Skippy. Uh, and I read something today that said if if Spurs get in Europe next season, then Skip probably has to stay because you need to have four homegrown kind of mm. club-trained players. But I think, because I love him, he needs to go somewhere. I could see him doing well at a Brentford. I could see him doing well at a, a Brighton even. Bournemouth, maybe? At a Bournemouth. One of those, ironically, upper mid-table clubs mm-hmm. I could see Skippy doing really well at. And, um, you know... Lots of people used to abuse Harry Winks. Leicester fans love Harry Winks. He's playing brilliantly for them. So there's a lot of kind of, you know, if if Spurs players, especially in midfield, aren't like, you know, flair players and genius players, right? They get stick, especially if they're homegrown. I think there's a good player in Skippy, but I just can't see it happening at Spurs at the moment. Yeah, I agree in terms of what he's missing. Like, 
he's also a player you can see the way he plays he needs that rhythm to find you know uh how when he's passing the ball when he's collecting when he's got players around him to appreciate the space that all comes with just finding a rhythm with game time and that is something he's like really really lacked um Ben Tan Cooking says, "Nice name." And should be more ruthless with his subs and make more at half time. Um, a lot of people, in terms of that that point, a lot of people have uh, like accused Ange of not being able to change games, always sticking to the same way um, when he makes his subs. No um, plan not quick, B. No, yeah, no plan B. Not quick enough, as this guy is saying. Um, what do you make of that of that kind of criticism of Ange? Like, do you think? He makes good use of his subs. Does he change things up in games to, you know, try and influence the dynamics or is he too stuck to how he wants to play? I think, you know, if you take away the Wolves game, we've been behind in a number of recent games and come back to win most of them. Mm. Um, and Ange has made substitutions. Look, it's difficult. Uh, firstly, it's only been the last four or five games where we've had options of the bench where you're like, oh, at least we've got some game changes on the bench. So... I, I, it's an easy stick to beat manager with if you lose a game. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think a lot of people think back to when Jose Mourinho first came in the Premier League and he made like three substitutions yeah. after 20 minutes of a game. And it's like... He did that at Spurs once. We were 2-0 down yeah. against Olympiakos yeah. and he made I think two... Dyer came... Uh, yeah, after 20 minutes, he made yeah. a couple of subs. And it's like, you know, if that's happening, then something seriously wrong is, right. you know, do you know what I mean? And it's not easy for a manager, I think, to say, oh, I messed this up so badly that I have to make radical substitutions. Um, look, there's an argument to it. Do, like I said earlier, do I think maybe we could have got Lo Celso on in the second half of that game and had more creativity in mm -hmm. midfield? I do. But also, I don't know how fit Lo Celso is. He, he'd not been training for very long. Ange has all the stats and all the details. I don't. Um, and I don't think we're necessarily blessed with real kind of um, real huge game changes on the bench. Like against the low block, he brought uh, Brennan Johnson on and I was like, well, you're not going to get outside your man. Mm. He's not explosively ac accelerating past people like that. He needs space to run into. So I think Benton Cooking has an argument, but also I don't fully agree with it or fully disagree with it. So I'd sit on the fence. The, what, what I would say is like in terms of recently in the subs, I think back to the Brighton game, we were building some really good momentum in that game. Then he makes a triple substitution True. and it took the wind out of ourselves. True. You look at the Everton game, we were on top in that game and he made some subs and we lost control. And then you look at the Wolves game, he made a triple sub and it didn't really impact the game positively. I think he put Werner up front, Sonny out wide, and nothing really happened. We weren't able to hurt them. So re maybe it's a recent thing, recency bias. People are looking at it thinking he needs to do better with the subs. But I agree. It's, I think we've seen enough evidence of us being able to change games and get gain control in games. So I don't know if I don't know if it's a thing of Ange having a problem. Um, Trini Boy says Ange Ball isn't this free flowing football that we have been accredited with. Mm -hmm. Is Ange Ball overblown? Is is it not the beautiful football that maybe we're we're getting all the praise for? I just think when you come up against teams who play eleven men behind the ball, it's impossible to be that free flowing right mm -hmm. so look at man City against brentford they exactly they what it. what Ange ball is really about is sucking on the opposition like bringing the opposition towards you and being so brave with the ball that you go bang 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 and you're through that's not possible when the opposition are playing on their own 18 yard box or deeper and if you think of the last few games we've had which i admit were games that i thought we can win all of these games and go into a good run but they've pretty much all been against teams who played like that mm -hmm. so wolves did it really well brentford did it really well everton did it you know so 
I can see why if you take those games into account, you'd be like, oh, this football isn't that great. And it was a bit turgid. It's like a bit side to side, quite slow. But, you know, me on the watching watch long, I'm asking them to pick up the tempo, like more tempo, more tempo. But actually, there's nowhere for them to go. Because so, they're already in the final third. Because they're already in the final <laughs> third. So the thing that kind of surprised me actually more about that is why weren't we getting more crosses in? We had Richarlison mm. in the nine, Decky on the ball a lot, get more crosses in, do something different, get more shots from outside the box, get some deflections. You know, they're the things that I would probably improve on against low block teams. But I think when it comes to that Villa game, it'll be more like the Adjibal because both teams will play in a similar way, mm. uh, trying to kind of beat each other's press and it'll be a, a high tempo, more enjoyable game to watch. Jacob says, Undombele deserves <laughs> another chance. That is a very unpopular April opinion. Fool's Day. Um, I don't know who else would it. Well, if anyone's going to agree with it, me, it will be me because I was the one who was really championing him have to be back in the team. Have you seen a picture, Jacob? Yes. Have you seen a picture of, <laughs> of Tango and Dembele recently? The guy is eating all of Istanbul. <laughs> like, he, is the most he is the most gifted technical player we've had at Spurs probably since Gaza. Like maybe Luka Modric, mm. right? But in terms of his ability to be a man and to do a trick and... It's unbelievable. But then he just watches it. Yeah. He's like, he does it. And he's like, oh, I'm so good. I don't need to do that now for another 10 minutes. And that was, I'm afraid, a terrible misjudgment of scouting by Tottenham Hotspur to buy that player because there was clearly a reason why the, t the teams above us hadn't taken him. Mm. And we thought, well, you know, he's a Spurs-esque player and he did play that and brilliant game Dembele. against... And we And he did play that brilliant game against Man City for... Was it for Leon? Yeah. That he played for. But his... You know, there was a reason why only, I think, three seasons before he was like playing in the French second or third division. Mm. And it's because he has an attitude problem. And I'm sorry, Jacob, Undombele does not deserve another chance. Mm. And I would cut our losses and, and rip up his contract, pay him off. Yeah, I think the fact that even, you know, you hear some of what the manager from um, Galatasaray says, oh like, God. and he says, uh, like, like Undombele just doesn't try, basically. He's, like, sick of him already, it seems. And uh, if you can't even, like, put, uh, you know, try hardest to try and kind of put your career back on track in a much easier league like the Turkish league, then I'm, there's just no hope. And obviously, yeah, he looks completely overweight. Apparently, um, I was reading some reports, he's, he um, gets found with junk food in his hotel and stuff like that. I don't know how true they are. Apparently, he likes to eat too many burgers, I've heard. Yeah, I think I think Ange was willing to give him a chance at the beginning in pre-season, wasn't he? And then he turned up, late, a bit, to a, he turned up late to a, a, a training session. There was, there was a, I think there was a bit of a sliding doors moment right at the start of pre-season where he actually, I remember the Spurs social media team were like putting out a lot of videos on him. Like he was looking great in training. Um, Ange was talking really well of him. And then on the the eve of the West Ham game, mm. he picked up an injury in training, ruled him out. And then Lacelso played instead. And he kind of took his chance. And then kind of Ndombele never got another look in. And then things kind of spiraled and we end up letting him go. So maybe if he didn't get that injury and he played well, who knows what would have happened. But... That didn't happen, and now we're st sitting at the same in Dombele. But also, we're talking about a player who, during the pandemic, Jose Mourinho had to go to a park with him to, yeah, to, to get him to train. Do you know what I mean? Have you ever heard a story like that in the history no. of football? <laughs> it could only happen with Tango and Dombele. He clearly wasn't, like, was he not turning up for the Zoom training sessions or something? Probably. So <laughs> Jose actually went to his house and took him to a park. And they got like, punished for it. <laughs> it's The guy's just picking up his money. And I yeah. used to laugh at Chelsea. It was back in the day with like Winston Bogard went to Chelsea and just picked up his money every week, didn't play. And now we've got that player. It's so frustrating because he's a genius. He is a genius. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, believes his own hype. Not good enough. 
All right, well, that is it for episode two of Unpopular Opinion. Stay tuned. There will be further episodes coming. Like, subscribe, and comment. And as always, come on, you Spurs. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 